0: Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast, like the CSRHA, brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what is happening across today's rural health ecosystem. You'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us for our first Fireside Chat of 2021. My name is Scott Hertzberg. I'm a board member and the president-elect of the California State Rural Health Association. And today I'll be your host and moderator. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our two guest speakers for our Fireside Chat today. Uh, First is Nathan Baugh, who is director of government affairs at the National Association of Rural Health Clinics. Nathan became the Director of Government Affairs for the NARHC in April of 2015. Nathan works on both regulatory and legislative policy at the federal level. He's been involved in issues such as the chronic care management benefit, COVID 19 allocations for RHCs, and telehealth. Nathan worked closely with the federal government on the RHC COVID 19 testing program and with Congress on the RHC payment modernization policy, which passed late 2020. With us also is Brock Slabok. He is the Senior Vice President of the National Rural Health Association. Brock joined the NRHA in 2008, and he's got administrative responsibility for all areas of member services, including membership, communication, and meetings and exhibitions. Brock was a rural hospital administrator for more than 21 years and has served on the board for the NRHA and the Regional Policy Board for the American Hospital Association. Brock specializes in rural health system development that encompasses population health and the varied payment programs, moving rural providers into value-based purchasing models. He serves on the CMS Star Rating Technical Expert Panel, is a member of the National Quality Forms Measures Application Partnership, Hospital and Rural Health Workgroup, and serves on the board of directors of the Healthcare Facilities Accreditation Program. So welcome, Brock and Nathan. It is lovely to have you join us today. So, shifting gears a little bit, you know, we were talking a little bit before we went live about you know COVID vaccine, and so you know I know that rural has its unique challenges. Um, what are some that you are aware of, and and what can we kind of do to mitigate those vaccine challenges? And Nathan, I'll start with you.
1: Um, well, I think the the first challenge that everyone is facing is just getting enough supply. Um, initially, I think we're still in the phase mostly where the the demand outstrips the supply, so um, you know people are le- turning to their local health departments, who are turning to their you know their states um, for vaccine supply, um, and certainly that is an issue. Um, one thing that I'll point out that I know is a rural health clinic specific issue with vaccination is how we're supposed to. Um, bill for it when, it when it comes to Medicare. And we do not uh. file, just, just to get into these weeds real quick, but all your rural health clinics will not file a claim for vaccine administration. They will instead log it um, on their cost report. And then at the end of the year, the rural health clinic will get a lump sum payment from Medicare for all the vaccine administration they've done. So it's different. Our fee schedule peers get, I think, $16 for the first shot, $28 for the second shot. There is a code. They do bill it and they sort of file the claim and get paid. We log it and we'll get paid a lump sum payment at the end of the year. So it's a key nuance and a key difference. Um, and our Medicare Advantage patients are paid this that way as well. It's not just your traditional Medicare; it's also Medicare Advantage. So um, that is a, certainly a nuance for the RHC community.
0: Oh, fantastic, Brock! You know what kind of challenges do we face with our extra rural folks? You know, those frontier, um, maybe the tribal Indian health group. You know that that have these extra layers between them.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think Nathan started on the, 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 the notion that vaccine supply, of course, is limiting right now. I do think that by the middle of February, we should be getting through some of the bottlenecks in supply. Um, I know the Biden administration is working very hard to get that. Now, having said that, and I think that that will not become the excuse anymore, uh, we need to set up some massive vaccination efforts around the country, much like we've never seen before. If we're going to get any kind of handle on this pandemic anytime soon, we're going to have to reimagine how it is that we look at personnel that are giving uh, vaccines. We need to do 24 seven vaccination sites. Our rural communities need to be engaged in thinking outside the box as to how they're going to inoculate their the, the, the citizens of their communities. And then when we look at vulnerable populations, I would be looking at uh, basically how you can use your electronic health information in your your hospitals and clinics to identify your high-risk populations and being sure that you reach out to them as a matter of being a patient-centered medical home once the vaccine becomes readily available and make sure that you make every effort to engage them in receiving a vaccine and then, of course, the repeat vaccine the appropriate time later. So I think we can become proactive in this. And because we're in rural communities and because we have smaller populations, we could be far more successful at getting higher percentages of our populations inoculated than our urban counterparts. In fact, I just talked to a Reuters reporter yesterday who was reporting to me that based on their analysis so far, rural areas that they've been able to get data for have a much higher percentage of Individuals inoculated versus the urban counterparts. And the question that she asked me, which which was really a good question, is do you think this is due to collaboration and the ability for smaller communities to work together? And I said, absolutely. It could also be a smaller end size too, which, you know, I don't want to get into a lot of statistics here, but but I think I think my point is is that yes, we need to be a lot more creative. Then getting to even more uh, populations of tribal and frontier communities. Again, we we, we have to to make sure that those are prioritized and responsible agencies get those vaccines out to those individuals. I did see in a couple of places where they were looking at mobile clinics for vaccinations. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. I haven't seen any more detail on that. Um, I hope that's not the limit to what they hope for rural. So, so we're going to have to look at this. But I would, I would start thinking about this. Get with your local health departments, asking questions about how they need, do they need assistance in terms of healthcare workforce? How we can use community health workers, how we can train vaccinators to think about based on, of course, according to the scope of your licenses in in your states and what you're able to do, but how we can get this done quickly, I think, is an important question. Yeah,
1: and I and I'll just say that once the supply issue improves, as Brock indicated, and I think it you know it will improve hopefully quickly, you will begin to um, start confronting more and more vaccine hesitancy from your patients, and I think that the um, you're not going to have the pharmacist at the CVS or the Walgreens be able to convince or educate a patient as effectively as you are a rural health professional that sees them for all sorts of, you know, is their main clinician, right? No, absolutely. So I think that, the, you know, our rural health professionals are going to have to um, be responsible for educating our patients on um, the efficacy and, and the importance of getting vaccinated and and doing so in a, in a way that is hopefully convincing. Because, like I said, I don't think that um, the CVS's of the world and the and the Walgreens and the WalMarts are going to necessarily going to be doing that education component. Um, they'll probably administer it, but they're they're not going to be going out. Um, doing that education piece. So I think that that's going to fall a little bit on our shoulders as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So we just got a question that came in. So Nathan, I think this is for you. So you're Mm -hmm. talking about using the cost report to log vaccinations. So is this still the case, even though the county is providing the vaccine and the kits at no cost?
1: Yeah, so this is you're just going to be logging the administration costs, so staff salary. Um, you wouldn't include the actual cost of the COVID vaccine because that you're right, um, it, it's provided to you, right? So you're not. It's 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 different than something like the flu or, or pneumo, where I think you purchase the the flu shot, um, and you can include that cost of the of the supply on the cost report. This is mostly just administration costs. So, you know, you would break out salary if you're using, you know, if you're, if you set up a tent, sort of the overhead associated with all that would be um, something that you would include on the
0: cost report. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so I think we're kind of ready to shift toward our, our last area here. Um, looking forward, right? So, so we looked back, we we're looking at our present state. Now time to get out the crystal ball. Looking forward to 2021, um, you know, what in your opinion is is the future of rural healthcare, you know, over the next 6, 12 months? What do you predict happening in this space? And what can we look forward to, um, you know, during a pandemic, even as we're trying to move past that? Brock, we'll start with you.
2: Well, thank you. Um, I, I see a lot of exciting opportunities for rural providers in 2021. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of things. First of all, the chart model, which uh, the community transformation track, the CMMI innovation will be those applications for that particular track will be uh, due March 16th. The deadline's been extended a month. So giving a little more time for you to get those applications in. Um, I think there's some, some real, uh, i listened to the financial model that was presented last week by CMMI. Um, I'm encouraged by some of the things that I heard there. And I think that there's uh, something to take a look at. Then the next phase of that is the ACO track. And I know there's a lot of role providers that are really excited about that program and uh, trying to use that uh, kind of a predecessor to uh, kind of the successor program to the uh, accountable care organization investment model, the AIM model. So so that's something to look forward to as well. And I, I would encourage everyone to take a look at those. Uh, the other thing I'll point out that's, that's, that was a surprise in the COVID legislation just before Christmas is the rural emergency hospital or the REH. It's being affectionately known as the RAID. This is a new provider type that will go into effect January 1st of 2023. So it's a little bit off in the horizon in terms of uh, timing, but I liken it to a bedless CAH, um, essentially eliminating your inpatient capacity, being able to focus exclusively on your ambulatory services and incorporated incorporating the, the emergency room and then some of your ambulatory uh, services. I'm not really certain how important or how well used that's going to be in the beginning, but I think as we look down the road, uh, we don't know where the, where healthcare is going, and we may need to have all the tools in the toolbox to be able to help us uh, meet the needs of our communities. And I guess that's where I would end up in my reaction to your question, Scott, is that we need to take all of these tools that we have available to us now and look at all of the issues that we can take uh, to our communities through community health needs assessments, strategic planning, and then work with those of us that can help in terms of understanding resources and the requirements it takes to get those off the ground. And then we have some partners in Washington, hopefully, that we can access, uh, particularly those in government, like in the Biden administration, uh, that can help us implement those. So we've been talking to the Biden administration already. We had a meeting on January 4th with the transition uh, team for help, and we talked about innovation being critically important to rural communities going forward and we're excited about the chart model, but we need more and we need it. um, We need it to be directed in ways that we can have faster turnaround on product. So we we need everyone to help us with that. We're excited about it and looking forward to what what may be possible going forward.
0: All right, Nathan, predictions for 2021, things to look forward to, things to work on.
1: Well, I think that there's a lot of regulatory action that uh, for those of you in the nuances and the weeds, we're going to have to get into that. Um, te- you know, telehealth is continues to be in a temporary state, but it was supposed to be updated as of January 1, how uh, telehealth visits work for rural health clinics. And um, as far as I can tell, they haven't come out with the new payment for that, Um There's a lot of other things like principal care management is a new service that Rural Health Clinics can now bill for starting January 1, 2021. Um, I think looking forward, we're we're looking at all these uh, new types of services, chronic care management, principal care management, remote patient monitoring, all of these services. They're not patient goes to the office meets with the doctor for 15 minutes in and out. They're all done through some sort of technology, text-based, picture-based, things like that. And um, we're going to continue to have issues with those services because none of those things entail a face-to-face visit. And traditionally, rural health clinics could only get paid if they had a face-to-face visit between the clinician and the patient. So CMS has had to create sort of workarounds for to allow RHCs to participate in all these new innovative services. Sometimes they do create that workaround. Sometimes they create the workaround a year or two after they <laughs> create the policy. And then other times, like for in the example of remote patient monitoring, uh, rural health clinics still can't do that, right? So we're going to be pushing the Biden administration to recognize that. Um, You know, I think, but as we've already touched on, telehealth, I think, is the and the and when I say telehealth in this context, I mean the telehealth visit, um, right? Live video. um, That's going to be. Probably the biggest issue that we're going to be working on from an advocacy standpoint in 21, just in case Congress is ready to make the the decisions on how Medicare is going to cover that, let's say by the end of the year. um, We want to be well positioned so that rural health clinics can participate in that and um, be paid properly and have normal sort of coding rules, which we don't have now. What we can't have is the temporary policy just made permanent. That's what we, that's what we cannot have. That will lock us into a ridiculous policy um, that it would be disastrous. We also can't have telehealth for our, our clinicians in the city, but no ability for rural health clinics to provide telehealth. Because then we're looking at a situation where our patients will be able to do a telehealth visit with a doctor in Sacramento or in the city. And we don't, and, and our rural clinicians can't even compete because of Medicare reimbursement policy. So that is also something that we really want to uh, avoid. And so we'll uh, be pushing on, on all fronts on on telehealth um, and telehealth visits in 2021.
0: All right. So So if members of you know, our health centers and, and their leaders can get involved and start advocating. It sounds telehealth is is a big one. Brock, anything, cl- you know, closing that we should be looking for from NRHA on the advocacy side?
2: Well, I, I appreciate everyone's attention to this program today. And I certainly want to thank you, Scott and Heather and Jenna for producing this live session this afternoon. Um, I think it's important that As Heather said in the introduction, that we use communication tools to be able to illuminate people in terms of understanding. And to the extent that this uh, provided a little bit more in that way, I'm really glad to have participated. Um, I think that looking at our policy institute, February 9 to 11, I encourage everyone to attend that. Because one of the things that's going to make all of this happen, everything Nathan talked about, everything that I've talked about is our grassroots advocacy. And we need you reaching out to your senators and to your Congress people to let them know your opinions on this, because I can assure you they are listening. And um, now more than ever, as we have this divided Congress, I think every one of them are wanting to be more useful. And I see rural as a unifying issue for both Democrats and Republicans. Um, They want to do everything they can for rural. And we do have that going for us right now. And I think we need to take advantage. So thank you for the invitation. It's great to be with you today.
0: Oh, of course. And, and Nathan, um, I know in three months, I believe we've got the NARHC Spring Institute, right? Coming up in April. And you guys are doing mm-hmm. something a little different this year. It's spread out over a couple of weeks, right?
1: Yeah, you know, um, we were hoping maybe to do something live in person and also online, but um, we, we've moved it all virtual and we've moved it back as a result um so we're we're doing our our conference with that we would normally do in san antonio all sort of virtually and it's actually going to be in april instead of march um but we also will record that so if folks can't hit the times that we have our presentations available you can still um you know attend the conference and watch the videos after they're recorded so um, so we'll be doing that in April and the registration for that is open now. And I will point out that we have our um, certified Royal Health Clinic professional. And Scott, I know you are yes. a certified <laughs> Royal Health Clinic professional. I don't have my um, pin on me. <laughs> they, <laughs> that will also be done virtually. Um, so we still have that course and they've they've actually made a couple, a lot of updates really since you've done, you've taken the course, Scott. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to update it with all this new policy and these new regulations. Um, so we are going to have the CRHCP course and it test all done online as well this spring. So oh, if fantastic. you if folks are interested in that, we still have that course available.
0: Yeah. It's the coolest set of, uh, of initials to have after your name in the rural health world. So. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you both for, for participating today. We're coming to the end of our hour and you've you've answered all the questions that have come in. Heather, take us away.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I am really grateful to Brock and Nathan and both and Scott for being here and, you know, just great to share ideas, isn't it, about, you know, um, telehealth, of course the COVID vaccine and new opportunities in health equity as we um you know, work with our new administration. So, just exciting—an uh, exciting time, and a great time to focus on grassroots um, efforts, as was mentioned with, um, by both of you. So, thank you.
0: All right, thank you very much, everybody. Take thank care. Be you safe. Thank you. This is Rural Health, is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association, and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at CSRHA.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at CSRJ.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at CSRHA Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health. It's copyright 2021 by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at CSRHA.org.